You're listening to Matt Walsh on demand. Founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Real Estate Agents, I trust.com. A lot of people are very confused. I know I'm one of them, and I've talked about this before, but people are confused about, uh, especially now with everything that's happened in the election season, as we are on the precipice of nominating Donald Trump as our as the Republican nominee and, you know, having a situation where it's a Hillary versus Trump uh, uh, general election, which means at that point we'll have a big government uh, liberal versus a big government liberal. And so a lot of people are thinking, you know, what happened to conservatism? Is it over if Donald Trump is the nominee? Is that it? And I think the answer to that question is yes. It, it, as a national movement, it's over if Donald Trump is the nominee. As a national movement, it's, it's probably already over. Um, we, our ideas, conservative ideas, whatever you, you call them, we'll talk about that in a minute. But they're not popular. Okay, let's just let's just um, in America, they're not popular. Let's just face the facts. They're not popular. That doesn't mean that they're wrong. Okay, nobody said that 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 being right means that a thing being right means that it's going to be popular. In fact, it works exactly the opposite of that in many cases. But still, the reality is not popular. The conservative movement is now and uh, will continue to be even more so in the future a as i've described it a guerrilla movement a fringe movement a, 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 a small movement of dedicated warriors but these warriors are in the minority and we should deal with that reality enough of this silent majority stuff the conservatives are the silent majority you know if that's the case, we've been pretty damn silent for like 60 years. I, I would rather think that we're not a majority than we are a silent majority. Because if we're a majority at all, we're the most ineffectual, pathetic, pitiful majority that's ever existed. Because as a majority, that means that we sat back, conservatives sat back for like 50, 60 years, and let our entire country become overrun by liberalism and to decay under its weight. And let every, all of our major institutions succumb to relativism and secularism. And let all of our social institutions, like the family, for instance, uh, crumble. You know, the thing that conservatives were in the majority while that was happening and just sat back and let it happen. It's, oh, woe is me. What do I do about it? You know, that is disgusting if that's the case. But I think what's more likely the case is that we're not now the majority and we haven't been for quite some time. Part of the problem part of the reason why we're not the majority is that nobody knows how to define conservatism. What is it? What do we stand for? And so I want to tackle that briefly, if I could. What is, what is conservatism? This fringe guerrilla movement 
the small movement of, 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 uh, of radical warriors, what do we stand for? What should we stand for? You know, what ideally do we stand for? What will we stand for? And you don't have to call it conservatism. You can call it something else. Maybe the name conservatism is just, it's over, it's played. Let's think of a new name. I don't know what the new name is. But if I had to define what this movement is or should be or whatever, this is what I would say. First of all, this is a movement that believes in liberty. And by liberty, I don't mean the freedom to simply do what you want. Obviously, no such freedom exists in society, nor has it ever, nor can it. Uh, you know, you shouldn't have the freedom to steal your neighbor's car, and you don't. You shouldn't have the freedom to kill your own child, although tragically in this country you do. But liberty, the liberty this movement stands for and fights for is the liberty which gives the individual the right to do, think, speak, and act according to his will and reason and moral judgment. And to do so free from the arbitrary and oppressive interference of the government. Okay, it's the freedom to speak, practice religion, bear arms, um, uh, the right to private property, the right of the states to govern themselves. It's the freedom to live, to exist, to be human beings, to express that humanity in whatever way, so long as it doesn't deprive another of their own life, liberty, dignity, or humanity. That's liberty. It's not a liberty that requires us to live in a country with no government. That would be anarchy, which is anathema to liberty. But to live under a government that strives to protect liberty rather than devour it. So liberty requires a government that's small, efficient, ordered towards the common good. And it's a very important aspect of this. That by the common good, I don't mean the government should take from one person, give to another, or anything like that. I don't mean common good in the way progressives define it. I mean that the government is ordered to the common good in the sense that it recognizes two things. Number one, that human beings have dignity and value. And number two, that they have that value because it was bestowed in them by God. So, so yes, in order for there to be liberty, uh, we must have a government that recognizes that there is a God and that it is not God. This is the government our founders created and, and one that this movement, what was once called conservatism, strives to restore. And there's something else about, about liberty that I should mention. Um, this movement that uh, was once called conservatism recognizes that true liberty Okay, true freedom comes not from doing what we want necessarily, but in doing what we ought. True freedom can be found only in what is right, what is good, what is just. Okay, there is no freedom in evil. There is no freedom then in abortion, gay marriage, pornography, um, any of these wicked things that have been made sacramental by our culture of death. The government can't force us to do what's good, of course, but... The point is that this movement has a moral message. And it really distresses me when I see the trend in quote-unquote conservatism in recent months. And of course, this goes back much further than that. But particularly in recent months uh, or years, there's been this trend to move 
conservatism, even on, you know, the so-called grassroots level, to move it away from the moral message into a more sort of broad utilitarian message. And I think that's when we do that, we lose the soul of the movement. We, we lose its purpose, really. We take away its foundation and we can't do that. This is what you hear from from some people that say, oh, I'm a conservative uh, or, you know, in a sense that I'm, I'm a cultural libertarian. You'll hear people say. What all cultural libertarian means is that's that's a a, a liberal with vaguely right leaning sensibilities in some areas. That's essentially a politically incorrect liberal is what a cultural libertarian is. But that's also a coward because that's someone who shies away from the moral message entirely, won't make the moral case. And the moral case is always going to be the most controversial. It's the one that's going to get you in the most trouble. It's the one that's going to upset the most people. It's also the most important. So if you're telling me that you're a conservative, but you're, but you're not getting into any of that, you're not making a moral case about anything, then I don't know what you call yourself. I wouldn't call you a conservative, but whatever you call yourself, you're not doing any good. You're contributing really to the problem by removing the moral equation from things, which is the whole point. This is what's led to the collapse of American society. It's our moral decay. That is the whole issue right here. So you can't just ignore it and act like you're still making a difference in, in society or you're, you're still fighting the good fight. You can't ignore the moral aspect of this. This is why America is falling apart. It was because of its moral decay. It's the entire reason. There is no other reason beyond this one. This is it. So this is a movement that has to see that man is a moral creature and it's not enough to simply say, hey, do what you want. If it doesn't affect me, it's all good. Because as we've discovered, it does affect us when we live in a society where morality is categorically rejected. The moral decay of society has profoundly affected all of us. Um, Now, it may not affect you on an individual level if your neighbor, say, you know, betrays the sanctity of his marriage, cheats on his wife or whatever, although it certainly affects his wife and his children and himself. But it does affect you if you live in a society that believes, preaches, and teaches that marriage itself is not sacred. An attack on the institution does affect you. It affects us all. But also, you know, apart from that, People are looking for answers in society, you know, for truth, for clarity. And, and just telling them, hey, do what you want is not an answer. So this movement cannot shy away from the moral conversation because it knows that the moral conversation is inherent and fundamental. All actions are moral actions done for good or for ill. All actions. And this movement knows that. And it isn't afraid to say what's good and what is ill and which actions point you in which direction. Whether they know it or not, all people are crying out for truth. For moral truth. Because truth is good and truth is hope. And this is how you win people. Eventually. By giving them this. By by giving them what they don't even know they desire. That's what this movement wants to do. Second, this is a movement that stands for life. 
for life. So that's where abortion comes in. It's a movement that knows that abortion is modern humanity's greatest sin. It's a cancer in the bloodstream of American society. It is a travesty of historic proportions. It cannot be condemned loudly enough or in harsh enough terms. So this is a movement that stands and speaks for those who cannot. And unborn children cannot. But they're children all the same and they're human all the same. And they cry out for protection, for justice, for love. And this is a movement that hears their cries and answers them. So it's a movement that stands for life. Which means, by the way, more than just protecting it in the womb, um, standing for life means standing for the family. It means standing for marriage. Um, And standing for marriage means more than just rhetorically opposing gay marriage, although it does mean that also, but it means even more crucially protecting and fortifying and respecting our own marriages. And if standing for life means standing for family, then standing for family means standing for the essential and complementary essence of the two genders, um, which which is where we must forcefully combat this transgender nonsense. This is a movement that understands that nearly every cultural ill, nearly every single one can be solved by strengthening the family. So if a community is in dire straits, like the, ba- the, the black community in particular, but really all communities, but that community in particular, it's not because the system has failed them, but because their families have failed them. In this case, with over 70% of their children growing up without fathers in the home. You can't look to any other answer for the problem when you have that going on. So it addresses the family. Third and finally, this movement, the conservative movement, whatever you want to call it, believes in the pursuit of happiness. And yes, I'm shamelessly plagiarizing the Declaration of Independence here. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't shake the feeling that those ancient privileged white men might have actually been on to something after all. But this is a movement that believes in the right of the individual to pursue happiness. Pursue it. Nobody has the right to be happy, to have happiness provided to them. And even if they did, nobody's equipped to provide it. Even God himself can't infuse happiness into you, into you against your will. If, if, if you are determined to be miserable, then you will be miserable. So happiness can't be handed to us. The government can't hand it to us. What the government can do, our movement attests, is allow the individual to seek fulfillment, seek goodness, seek success, and to largely avoid interference in that process. And that means that our movement you know, will have difficult things to say about entitlements, mainly that there is no such thing as an entitlement. Uh, you're not entitled to another man's earnings, no matter your situation. And it also means we're talking about the fact that you know, being able to pursue happiness necessitates also living in a country that is secure, which means our borders are controlled. Our laws enforce. Our nation protected from threats beyond its shores. This movement believes in a strong defense. But it doesn't want its government to go overseas searching for dragons to slay. Nor does it want its government to build nations abroad. We have our nation and that ought to be our primary concern. Our movement does not call prudence isolationist. But it also doesn't call strength interventionist. There's a balance between the two. But we've long since stopped trying to find it and our movement continues the search so there it is if i had to define what conservatism is 
liberty, life, the pursuit of happiness. It's right there in, a, in, a, in, in, in that ancient document. But we have to properly understand these ideas and what they mean. Not just slogans and platitudes, but they have a meaning. And so I think that's what, what we are. What, you know, when I say we, ideologically speaking, this is, what I'm, this is who I'm referring to. This is the we that I count myself a part of. It's just that our numbers are dwindling, unfortunately. But as long as there's, as long as there's even one person left, you know, one, one person still attesting to these truths, um, then the movement's still alive, I think. Might not be strong, but it's still alive. And so at least we have that. And that's my goal. All right. Hope you guys have a great weekend. I will uh, talk to you next week. I appreciate you.